It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. This is our number two of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. Topics on deck for this hour include flying autonomous taxis, how the Tesla Model 3 got its groove back, and finally, Waymo autonomous car news. We'll start these discussions here in a few minutes, but first, I want to hear from you. There are a couple of easy ways to add your voice to the conversation. You can call or text me on the Roadworthy Drive line. That number is 872-222-9793. Or you can email me. That's Ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, we'll connect to you, to me, and the show. Roadworthy Drive crew is at full strength again for this hour with my friend and executive producer Jack at the controls and the sweet and sassy gamer girl Sasha at mic two. How you doing, my peoples? <sighs> Good. Okay, so uh -oh. I... Hold on. Uh-oh. We got to back it up? What? Yeah, well, hold on. If we're going to back this up, let's just wow. do this right. Wow. <laughs> okay. I almost thought I was going to have to call in a therapist for you two from last hour. What? Yeah. As emotional as you guys were about Fiat Chrysler. I I don't I don't think I've ever number one, Sasha, I've never seen you that upset. Yeah. You know I've only scratched the surface. And I know you've only scratched the surface, but like I said, you know, this hour I think we get to have some fun now. Yes, we get to fun. have some fun. I was very much a silent because as my grandmother used to say, if you can't say nothing nice... Don't say it at all. Yes. Wow. Okay, Mr. Chester, wow. what is in the park been for this hour? Wow. 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 I got nothing nice to say wow. about the man, about reality, okay. about the people. Wow. 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 Okay, I, quit, I, quit wowing. We've got to go. What before is in the park before I even go week? there, I just got one thing for Sasha. <laughs> okay. Mopar, no car. I know that's right. Just saying. Okay. Used to be. All right. Oh, now, wow. now, for the third time, can we get to the park then, <laughs> please? Is there a problem? Oh, my goodness. Time is wasting. Yeah. Well, here you go. With all this talk about electric cars, um, how about the return of the four-cylinder engine? I didn't realize it left. Wait a minute. I'm not talking about that low anemic horsepower relic of the 80s, but a robust and powerful version that powers everything from the top-of-the-line Volvo S90, and you know how I love that car. Oh, yeah. Right, right. To wait for it. The 2019 Chevrolet Silverado and GMC Sierra 1500 pickup truck. What? Really? And what are you going to tow with that? A little Tykes car? Wait a minute. Full size pickup truck. No, I know. I'm I'm as I'm at the same place Sasha's. No, what? <laughs> Advancements in engineering, mm -hmm. more exacting fuel economy, mm -hmm. and emission requirements, as well as aggressive weight reduction, mm -hmm. has resulted in the availability of four cylinder engines that are a real choice. Okay, okay, and that's fine. But here's my question: What is the we we all know? Mm -hmm. Let's face it. If you're going to pull something with a 1500, you could be pulling anything from a trailer to a travel trailer. And most of those travel trailers start at 6,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. So. 
Okay, first of all. I'm a little concerned. I'm going to go one beyond you. Okay. I'm going to go cons- a little bit concerned with uh, the drastic weight reduction. So is this going to be something that I'm going down the road in a day like today with about a 30-mile-an-hour gust and end up in the other side of the road and in the ditch and okay. rolling like Number a tumbleweed? One. Num- uh, tumbleweed. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Remember, to throw sandbags in remember we talked about Add some this. Weight. I told you. A while back, uh-huh. GM was going to have to get honest after marking Ford and their aluminum chassis. I get that, but I mean, four cylinders is. I, I will just have to test drive it to understand what it's actually capable of. Okay, let me break this down for you. Please do so. First of all, we're talking about an oversized, rather large four cylinder. Uh huh. So you're at 2.7 liters, which your six cylinders, your smallest six starts at 2.5. Okay. So you're talking about something that even Toyota has used uh, in trucks and midsize SUVs and Just stuff. Just because they use it doesn't mean that it's a smart idea. Move on. It was a smart idea. So hold on. Okay. And I got something for you. So you hold on to We're that We're waiting snark. right here. I know you are. First of all, it's a turbo. Okay. Did I mention? So it goes from 35 under- to 45 in like wow. 60 seconds. Leave them alone. You, you just <laughs> snark today. <laughs> Would you believe that this engine, the same engine... Mm-hmm. In certain circumstances, <laughs> has the ability to run on two cylinders. What? Yeah, when the wind's blowing behind you and you actually put a sail up there uh, on top of your hood. This almost sounds like in the 80s a Cadillac 864. No, 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 right? no, no, no. Right? No, no. Let me help you with this. Please do. Uh, this engine. Yes. This 2.7 liter. With six hamsters in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Strong, bulked up hamsters. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone hamsters. Okay. 310 horsepower. Hold on. Your 5.3 liter V8 engine of 10 years ago uh-huh. came in at 303. But you understand that's 10 years ago. Yeah. And you understand that my Pontiac could probably outrun the I engine from 10 years I kind of doubt it. With this well, I mean, not speed, right now. With this 8-speed automatic. In your Hold cylinder. it. 300, 310 horsepower of torque. Okay. 348 Pound feet of torque. That is a good size engine. And may I remind you, remember that Volvo I talked about? Yes. Thing flew like the wind. Yes. Yeah. Turbocharged, supercharged, did not run like a four cylinder. But I'm not expecting my Volvo that is beautiful, sleek, and sexy to do the same things as my full size Chevy pickup truck. Help me out. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold it. I got something for you. Stop, stop. When I bought my truck. Yes. Okay. Yes. He put me in the one that I have. Okay. I drove it. I literally, from a sitting stop, gunned it. Nice. Okay. Thing had so much pickup, it was great. And what's your engine? V8. Okay. They put me in a six. Uh Uh-huh. I did the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. The only difference was it didn't have all of that. And well, it's probably because the extra two cylinders had some, I'm sure had something to do with it. Right. It's called torque check. Well, <laughs> that too. But the guy says to me, what, what do you want to drive? Do you want, do you want to be able to get out of a jam or are you okay down in the Seca Boost engine? And I'm like going, no, I want to be able to get out of a jam. Give me the eight. Well, he did you a disservice and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. First of all, the 4.3 liter V6 that it replaces uh-huh. only generated 285 horsepower. And 305 pound-feet of torque. So this thing bests that. And, oh, your Ford, the take on uh, your EcoBoost, yeah. 
3.5 liter and 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6s, Fords, half tons, mm -hmm. 72% of what they sell in an F-150. Yep, exactly. Uh, did I mention 72%? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 72%. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say it again. 72% of the best-selling truck in the country. Okay, uh, Excuse me. <sighs> best-selling vehicle in the country equipped with EcoBoost V6 Mm. Turbo mm. engine, Hold on. not eight. Hold on. What he's trying to tell you, Sasha, mm -hmm. is the days of the V8 are numbered. Oh, yeah, duh. But my thing is, all right, again, I want my truck to be able to take my family this, there, and the other place. I mean, I'm not saying that I want to, you know, haul a fi fifth wheel with it, but I mean, I do want to. If you're going to haul a fifth wheel, you'd be in a three-quarter ton anyway. I know no. that's right, but I'm just saying I still want to be able to use my truck as a truck. Okay, let me give you an example of what GM is doing for 2019. This is one of six different engines. 2.7-liter four-cylinder turbo, 3-liter six-cylinder turbo diesel, 4.3-liter six, 5.3-liter eight and two variants, and the, oh, my God, 6.2-liter V8. Mm. You're going to pay for that one. Mm. Oh, yes, you are. Here's the messed up part. After talking about all of that, GM expects, if this is right, GM expects their take rate for the V8s to still be 90%. Six engines, 90% of V8s. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, may I also mention in this case that uh, they're going to make that engine, the four-cylinder standard on the Silverado LT. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Ford has a 1.5-liter four-cylinder engine. Um, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Ford has a 1.5-liter three-cylinder engine that will run on two cylinders. Isn't that the one you said was going in the Ranger? I didn't say because they didn't say. Okay. So that I don't know where it's going, but it looks like they're bringing it to the United States. In other countries, it runs in a Focus. Okay. But the thing is, a three-cylinder engine that has the ability to turn off one cylinder and run on two, yeah, I'm going to have to – that one I'm going to have to that, see that has what not that's really about. really in this country had a good history. Well, we do a lot of active cylinder deactivation. It is part of how they're getting better fuel economy out of larger engines. And we've had that for the last 10 to 15 years, particularly in GM V8s. Food for thought. Now, next up, we're going to talk about robo-taxi news. You are tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthydrive.com is the place to keep up with the latest happenings with Ken and the show. marvel of styling and engineering is now at your Cadillac dealers. The 1958 Cadillac is brilliantly new in beauty, with fabrics and appointments that introduce a new concept of interior elegance. 
and Cadillac's dynamic 1958 engine and revolutionary air suspension provide a totally new experience in modern motoring. See and drive Motordom's masterpiece, the 1958 Cadillac. Sasha, I feel underdressed. <laughs> no. What? I feel under just with that piece of music. Right. I figured I would, you know, you'd be in all dress clothes. You beat me to it because I was actually going to complain to um, Mr. Chester that I was not aware that this was a black tie affair. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know what? And by, had... the, and by the way, you're listening to Roadworthy Drive. <laughs> yes, with you Ted are. Chester. Oh my! Yes, I'm here. So glad you dropped by. Now, here on the program, regular listeners know we strive to keep track of most, if not all, of the evolving transportation technology currently being developed. And if you've been listening, one of those very real technologies is flying cars. I can't play this this long. Go on. (laughs) It's a thing. I like the Jetsons. I know you do. Thought it was time we'd take a peek at what's currently going on, because it's been a while we have not had a uh, flying car update. Well, there hasn't been a whole lot going on. I mean, let's give yourself um, credit. Actually, kind of, yeah. Uh, let's start with Airbus. Airbus is one of the large domestic, I'm sorry, one of the large commercial aircraft manufacturers. They're European-based. Yes, they are. Um, they're actually creating a division to oversee futuristic transport options, such as Flying taxis uh, and what they're calling on-demand helicopters, uh, which is a nice euphemism for autonomous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're calling it their urban air mobility unit. And their projects, they've got an autonomous flying cab prototype called, yep, City Airbus, mm. a flying electric taxi named Vahana and Vroom. Built by Airbus is a premier and, I'm sorry, Vahana is the flying taxi. Vroom, V-O-O-M, is built by Airbus as a premier on-demand helicopter booking platform. What could possibly go wrong? I have a list, number one. Right? Now, again, like I said before, this is all getting down to, um, I really don't know how antiquated our our, our air traffic control system really is. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to start shoving all these vehicles up in the air, and the next thing you're going to have is you're going to be driving down the road in your normal car, and all of a sudden you're going to have a vehicle in your trunk or your pickup box. Look, all I'm saying is is that the actual human that controls the wheel on land has not learned how to drive responsibly as a species. I don't necessarily think that they need to have control of the vehicle when it's in the sky. Okay. Autonomous, though, number one. Autonomous, I can get so, behind. So hold on. Plus, I got another shoe to drop. Airbus also unveiled an electric drone shuttle named Pop.Up that's developing with German car maker Audi. What? Yes. According to them, uh, they will be open to cooperation with other vehicle manufacturers. And that is Airbus. Uh, You remember Uber? You remember we talked, oh, now a little over maybe a year and a half ago about Uber Elevate, that white paper they wrote? Right. Seems that Dubai kind of dropped out as being one of their cities. So they're looking for a new international city. 
And uh, they actually showed a design of what their new uh, air drone uh, or what they're calling, what they're hoping to fly in 2020 looks like. Uh, the aircraft will run on electricity. The body of this air taxi is reminiscent of a fuselage of a plane rather than a helicopter. And this is the way they think it will work. People will use the Uber app to call an air taxi, then go to the nearest rooftop skyport for pickup. There will also be a ride-sharing mechanism in place. Up to four riders will fit into each air taxi, which will help costs cut costs even further. And they want to create the network around those vehicles so that the regular people can take these taxis in the air for longer distances than they want to avoid traffic at affordable prices. Okay, that would make sense for me going over to Iowa City to watch a football game. But there's more. And answer your question, Jack, about traffic in the skies. Uber teams with NASA to make flying cars a reality. Okay, so? Yeah. Uber and NASA announced that they're teaming up to simulate flying taxis in urban areas. Um, NASA became a partner for this program by developing air traffic management for a fleet of flying cars. That's where you're wondering. Okay. Uh, they want to literally get even more involved. So Uber said they will be sharing their plans for a ride-sharing network of flying cars with NASA, which will conduct simulations. NASA's findings will help guide the creation of industry standards and regulations. The government organization said in a press release to, timed to Uber Elevate, the tech giant's second annual summit to discuss flying cars. The company hopes that commercial trips will be available by 2023, less than five years from now. I can roll with that. Mm -hmm. They believe that these virtual takeoff and landing vehicles uh, will be safer and cheaper than what's already available. Now, um, again, with NASA's involvement, that's the missing link to try to figure out how to resolve all this traffic going on. Well, and as you know right now, honestly, our skies are pretty crowded. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? Well, they're the, they are and they're not. But the FAA uses an antiquated system that puts miles between aircraft, both uh, in a three-dimensional model, up and down, down, side to side, and all over. And, and down. Yeah. The problem is it's inefficient with today's tracking systems. Okay. But again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. And granted, this is a long time ago. But I remember when they shut the, the uh, airspace off. Mm-hmm. There were 4,800 planes that were still up in the air when they did that. Mm -hmm. They managed to get them down in two to three hours. Yeah, but across all of the United States? Correct. In hundreds of thousands of square miles of space. Yep. That's a lot of space, hence a lot of aircraft. Um, they're looking for, like I mentioned, a, an, an, another partner, and they even have a wish list, considerations for a good launch city. All sorts of interesting things that I don't really have the time to get into. But Uber counters that we are not looking for cities to provide tax breaks or local incentives. Rather, we are looking for cities with aspirational vision who are investing in their transportation systems and wish to bring Uber Air to market to their residents as quickly as possible. Coming up next, how Tesla Model 3 got its groove back. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive radio network.
You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. me come over there and separate you two. What? Yeah, we almost, for those of you that can't see, of course, um, <laughs> these two were having an argument during the break. I did not like first hour. I am I very adamant with that. It has to be said. No, it does not. We and create our own reality within these walls. That's the problem. Where we Too many people creating their own reality these days. And by the way, you're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. And crew. A, 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 yeah, heavy on the crew. I'm Ken Chester. Thank you. I'm for Ken Chester. By. Not even close. We're all Ken Chester. Oh, my God. What's your line, honey? John Gold. Oh, my goodness. For those of you who haven't visited the show website, why not? Roadworthydrive.com is the spot for all things roadworthy. From audio clips of past shows to the interesting videos of the behind-the-scenes antics and activities, and especially the conversations, oh, the conversations, mm. that we pre- as we produce the show in the studio. Those conversations we've had between segments are often the best. We're also spread across the universe of social media. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or discover us, yes, on Google Play, for those of y'all that are truly mobile. In any case, we got you covered. Find out exactly what Sasha is up to during the week as she's posting between shows. Her posts are thought-provoking, interesting, and entertaining. And trust me, You'll be glad you did. Yes. During this segment is a follow-up on some recent developments that we've covered here with regard to the new Tesla Model 3 sedan. Seems that in this world of Wi-Fi hotspots and over-the-air updates from auto manufacturer to vehicle, the Tesla was able to quickly resolve a major complaint registered by Consumer Reports when evaluating the new sedan. Back in the day, such a fix would have taken months even if the automaker was extremely proactive, imagine. And that's what I want to talk about right here. Imagine. Um, it seems that Elon Musk had a talk with Consumer Reports when they complained after reviewing the car. Uh, one of the complaints was <clears throat> how long it took the car to stop. Their words, Consumer Reports, that it took seven feet longer than an F-150. Fully loaded. Fully loaded. And they were not happy about that. May I quote, within days, Tesla beamed a wireless software update to the Model 3s on the road that improved their braking, and the impact was swift. After testing the car again, Consumer Reports reversed the verdict on Wednesday, only nine days after its original report was published. And check this out gave the car a recommended rating. Now, can can I tell you something? Come on with it. Can I tell you something? Come on. Uh first of all, that's how it's done, son. That that's how it's done. That's what you got. That that's what I'm got. That's what you I got. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was revolutionary and just because I'm curious, how many times has that actually been done? Never. Can you, can you tell me, Chester? I'm uh, sorry. Uh, never. I'm sorry. What was that again? Let it go, Sasha. Uh, no, I'm just curious because Sasha, a lot of people be never bashing. Never let it Thank go. You. We got it. Thank you. May I quote uh, from the magazine's director of auto testing, Jake Fisher? Uh huh. Quote To see something updated that quickly is quite remarkable. 
unquote. Yeah. While other manufacturers have made software fixes, fixes to correct issues that Consumer Reports has identified, owners have had to take their cars to the dealers to have the update installed. Wireless update. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a game changer. It is completely a game changer. This is a safety issue that was a safety issue. Yep. Elon Musk talked to the tester. Yep. They replicated the situation. They decided to make changes to the software. They put it out over air. Boom. Problem solved. Yeah. And most people didn't know that it was coming. Regardless of whether they did or not, their cars are now safer because of that review. Correct. Well, I think that we also need to stress the fact that their cars are now safer because the Tesla what in this situation, I mean, obviously there are reasons for recalls and so on and so forth. But in this situation, the Tesla was an advanced to a point that all he had to do, he the the owners were not inconvenienced. All he had to do was change, tweak the software. Correct. And release an update. And release an update. Over the, up, over the air. Yes. That the vehicles received, made the changes. Tesla's ability to update its cars in much the same way that Apple issues software updates for iPhones is a competitive advantage. That is from Mr. Fisher, the tester at Consumer Reports. We've never seen a manufacturer do this in the course of the week, he added. Some people might want to take notes, that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing. Mm. Tesla issued no official statement. No. Why would they? But he did go to t- uh, Mr. Musk did mm-hmm. go to Twitter to declare, really appreciate the high-quality critical feedback from Consumer Reports. Other flaws were identified in the original view that were also being addressed. Um, food for thought. But imagine, our vehicles are now to a point where much like computers and the update that my laptop is currently undergoing. And how long has that been going on? An hour while? and 30 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> but... The important thing is that if you can imagine safety features now that flaw, flaws or software issues can be changed like that with no hardware upgrades, with no need to bring it into the dealer, and my vehicle is immediately safer. Well, yeah, and but the thing is now you're going to take part of, I'm going to say this, the dealership's profit away by doing this? Tesla has no dealers. I understand that. But see, but, that's But my the rest th- of the car companies can't be that far behind. Okay, but here's my thing, Jack. With what you just said, okay, won't that take the profitability away from dealerships? In a world where Elon Musk is creating, that should not ever factor with the safety of the people that bought these cars. I'm not going to argue that point with but, you. But, I mean, it is an issue. I mean, you're bringing up a very factual thing that when you're dealing with a third person, the more people that you include in the selling and so on and so forth, they have to take that into account. This was a situation where he didn't need to take that into account. He issued it. It was done. Bada bing, bada boom. Let me read it to you. Mr. Fisher, he's the guy at Consumer Reports, right. said Tesla replicated the magazine's results and decided to modify the software that controls how the car's analog brakes respond. After downloading the update, Consumer Reports retested its Model 3 and found that the car came to stop more quickly than before. I also quote this from Mr. Fisher. I drove it extensively last night, Mr. Fisher said. It is fun to drive. That is from Consumer Reports, the chief automotive tester there. 
And also the other thing too to remember is that his first review was not good at all. No, no, it wasn't. They liked the car, but they couldn't recommend it because of the braking and a few other performance issues that they thought were negative and of concern. Uh, let me throw this at you in the few minutes we have before the break. A uh, bunch of Germans, and they do this, automakers do this all the time. They'll buy competitors' cars and tear them down. Some German co- engineers bought four Tesla Model 3s, tore them down to see the materials. It cost basically $10,000 in labor, $18,000 in parts to build a Tesla Model 3. So you're wow. at 28000 Mm-hmm. Minimum cost, thirty-five, But... They're also carrying all that overhead of uh, modifying the factories and everything. So maybe not as nearly as profitable as it sounds at first blush. Last up, your Waymo autonomous car update. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is the last part of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Google continues to be the recognized leader in the self-driving car world. This, Through its now standalone Waymo subsidiary, it has more miles and much more knowledge than pretty much anybody else in the space. Now, they continue to form alliances with automakers and others, making sure that they continue to remain relevant as the technology evolves. This here is a current look at what they've been up to lately. Because, after all, everybody needs a little Waymo in their life. Yes. I almost said Waymo. Right? Mm -hmm. I was thinking in my head. That's what I heard. Waymo Records now presents. Oh, my. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I believe we've covered this before, but I want to bring this into perspective with something I'm going to add to it. Okay. Waymo and Jaguar has just teamed up. Jaguar. To develop a a fleet of luxury all-electric self driving cars and they're talking a large fleet of self-driving luxury vehicles not one of these uh semi-autonomous cars fully 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 autonomous level four autonomous cars okay here's my question Mm -hmm. in the jag Mm -hmm. most people buy that for the performance okay let me stop you first of all this is a brand new jaguar which is a crossover called the I-Pace. Okay. Number one. And two, we buy it for the cute kitty emblem on it. We don't uh, buy it for the performance. You might. Um, what? Up to 20,000 I-Paces will be built in the first two years of production and available for riders of Waymo's driverless service, serving a potential one million trips per day. The I-Pace will be able to travel 240 miles in a single charge. And this for Sasha will accelerate from zero to sixty in just under five seconds. That's pretty fast. That's pretty okay, fast. I got one faster for you. Uh, yeah, I do too. I have seven. The, the one that was one point. I want to say it was something between one point four and one point eight seconds. Sasha. Hmm. Tesla Model S. Yes, sir. 
2.9 seconds. Yes, sir. Wait for it. Uh-huh. Ludicrous speed. I know. <laughs> Thought you would enjoy that. I, I, I was surprised that Jack didn't pull up Ludicrous my favorite speed. part. Go! Nice. All things great. Great. Uh, can't what, stop. What, movie, what movie was that? Spaceballs. Oh, my goodness. Which he has never seen, ladies and gentlemen. Thank no, God. I have. No, no, no. Oh, Our him. host, yeah. Ken Chester, uh-huh. has never seen. And don't sound like I really want to. Oh, by the way, anybody that wants to purchase this and send it to Ken. <laughs> no, no. Right? Ken at roadworthydrive.net. No, I'm good. I'm good. Don't need it. I'm good. <laughs> Flood him with copies. No. Waymo has been at this since 2009. Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, spun it off just two years ago as Waymo. Okay. But they've been at it longer than anybody. They have more miles racked up. Their systems are regarded as the standard, as as the gold standard in the industry. Okay. When you say spun them off, do they still own them? They do, but it is a subsidiary that is partially owned by Alphabet. Okay. So there you go on that. Now, um, adding more. Waymo and Fiat Chrysler is expanding their relationship, and here you go. Their, Chrysler is going to sell Waymo for their autonomous fleet, 62,000 minivans. Okay, we talked about that last hour. We did. It's a big leap from the 600 they got now. It's quite a substantial leap. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, but if they're looking for, like, a place with the autonomous taxis, if they're looking for to actually expand in their mobility, I mean, the more seats in there that you could seat comfortably, the better. You know, hotels mm-hmm. might be able to take those for, you know, the routes to and from the airport. Well, mm-hmm. and like I said before, at what point in these cars are you basically going to have limousine seating? I would say sooner rather than later. Yeah, sooner rather than later. Uh, the minivan would The minivan would actually... Uh, be a perfect platform to develop something like that uh, okay. with a combination of luggage and seating and maybe some sort of in-vehicle uh, in entertainment mm-hmm. uh, or infotainment, if you will. Well, mm-hmm. and, well, and I can tell you from past experience, I was in L.A. and ended up getting a ride from Super Shuttle. A, okay. friend, a friend of mine called me like two days before and said, dude, you're, you're dumb if you run a car. Call Super Shuttle. Have them take you from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel back. Mm-hmm. Well, going to the hotel was great. But going back, and I mean, they were quick about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were stopped for maybe two minutes picking somebody up at the, at the other hotels that they stopped at along the way to the airport. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Chrysler, strategic partnerships such as the one we have with Waymo will help drive innovative technology to the forefront, and they need to because they're lagging. So this is one way they may be able to jumpstart that. Now, Waymo has stressed the breadth of what technology can achieve, ranging from models now being developed to a future in which the systems provide shipping and logistics services and augment public transportation. So, in other words, more of a solution, less than a competitor. Okay, and something I want to ask you along that line. Mm-hmm. Are we soon, and, I don't, and soon could be a relative term here at this point, are we going to get to the point where Sasha can order something on Amazon and have it delivered the same day? Um, in her case, I don't know if it would be same day, but I bet it would be quick. I would say within 24 hours, possible. If I lived probably here in Des Moines, you could probably do, you might be able to get done same day. But I think a lot of that has to do with what time did I order it? 
Um, and is the is the item available? You know, to ship. You've yeah. got you've got logistics. But think about this for a minute. We're heading towards a world where our uh, trucking industry is going to go autonomous. If you go autonomous and you make those um, considerations on, say, interstates to where maybe the middle of the night would be blocks of time where autonomous vehicles could travel uninterrupted and travel at a higher rate of speed, then theoretically, with a warehouse maybe in Kansas City, which is less than 200 miles away, you could serve next day service uh, within a range of maybe 200 miles. That, yeah. that becomes a game changer because then you don't need warehouses everywhere. You just need to adjust your range accordingly. Maybe 250, which would put you Chicago, Kansas City. Minneapolis. Perhaps Minneapolis. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily need St. Louis, depending. Uh, if you're going to serve to the southeast of there, you probably would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that becomes quick. And this is what we're seeing anyway. If you're around some bigger city right now, you're seeing an incredible construction of a lot of warehouses. And a lot of brand log- new warehouses. And a lot of logistic places going in, too. Mm-hmm. So they're gearing up the backbone for something like this. And uh, that deal with Chrysler's not Waymo's last. They're talking to Honda right now, too. So food for thought. That wraps up the second hour of Roadworthy Drive. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next week at this same time when we do it all over again. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.